Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm sitting here with Sam Rodriguez, Ziggy. Yes, that's me. How are you doing? Have I'm, you, I'm good. Have you told your friend your name is Ziggy? Or is oh, no, I don't think she knows that yet. Yeah. And it's from Ziggy Stardust. It's, well, it's a long story. It's a long it's a long story. Well, it's Lent, so it's, it's Ziggy Ash to dust. <laughs> yes. So beautiful. Uh, very spiritual. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, Tom is not with us again today. No. Um, and so we look forward to his return. But what I love about you, um, Sam, is how enterprising you are. So you just scoured the parking lot looking for people that might be hanging out, and you invited someone in to be our guest. I did. I went out with a lantern, and I, I said, I'm just looking for somebody for a guest for our show. And, and you found somebody, which we're so excited that you did. And we have a great guest. It's Annie Salato. Annie, welcome Hi, to the luxurious so corner booth. Thank you so I'm so great glad. To be with you guys. And Annie, uh, just a little bit about you. You are the owner of the Alice Paul Group, yeah. which is a social media marketing and fundraising for non-profits yes. kind of place, yes. which is exciting. So what what is the Annie Paul? Why Annie Paul? Annie no, Alice, Alice Paul. That's Alice okay. Paul. The Alice Paul Group. Yes. That's Why okay. Alice? Yeah. So Alice Paul is actually a suffragist um, who followed in the footsteps of Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Um Unlike her predecessors, she didn't actually live during Roe, or she actually lived during Roe v. Wade. Oh, okay. So Alice Paul was known as a tactic reformer. She believed that principles don't change, but tactics have wow. to. And so when I started the company seven years ago, it was with the mindset that the pro-life movement needed a new brand, needed a new face. Oh. And so through God's grace, we were able to do that through our clients like the March for Life, Abby Johnson, um, Feminist for Life, many clients, um, to give them a new brand, new messaging. Pro-life is pro-love, pro-life is pro-woman. Um, so Alice Paul inspired that. She that actually is lived, awesome. Yeah, and she actually lived during Roe v. Wade, unlike Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Um, and when a reporter asked her what she thought about abortion, she said it was the ultimate exploitation of women, Yeah, expecting her to agree with it. A lot of people don't know that. They don't realize right. that our feminist foremothers were actually pro-life. So Yeah, we could do a whole show on, on this because that's a very interesting point. And, and uh, I think most people are just really blinded about what the actual issue about abortion Absolutely. is. Right? They, Absolutely. They, they see it strictly as a political sort of an opinion and things like that. So. They do, and they don't realize that abortion is actually, it's never an empowering option for women. It actually tells a woman that she can't when she can, and it actually limits our abilities and true, true womanhood and it's a slap in the face, if you think about it, to true feminism. So feminism in and of itself is rooted in nonviolence. Nonviolence to human, all human yeah. beings. And so we've misinterpreted the word feminist. Feminism in and of itself. And Pope John Paul II talks about the feminine genius. Right? Oh, yes. It's yes. complimentary. So um, that's the name of the company. It's totally different than the topic of what we were going to talk about. But we can well, totally but you talk know about what? We, we, I am the king of transitions. And we are going to, uh, we're going to make a segue now into our topic. Uh, because we're going to talk about a e- Eucharistic awakening. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, abortion is one of the many problems of the world. Absolutely. Right? And, and, and people are looking for... Uh, solutions, especially, you know, Catholics are looking for what do we do? I mean, what, mm-hmm. what, what, you know, because we're our free, you know, more and more in this day and age, 
uh, the voice of the church is being silenced, mm-hmm. right? And people don't feel like they they really know what to do and how to do what they're going to do and how do we fix all the problems? Yeah. And you've got a solution that's quite beautiful. I, I agree with your solution yes. to all problems. But <laughs> yes. uh, what is Eucharistic awakening? What, sure. what, do you, what do you mean by that? Sure. And I love how you kept saying, Deacon, that we've got these problems. How do we solve And Actually, we don't have the grace. We don't even have the ability to solve any of these problems. If we did, we would have already. Yeah. But it's our Lord. I don't know. messed it all up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just keep making it worse. We overcomplicate the beauty of this yes, simplicity. Yes, yes. Myself every single day. Um, but I, I think that if we could, so the whole concept and idea of a Eucharistic awakening is to fall in love with Jesus through the Holy Eucharist. As mm. Catholics, the Eucharist is what sets us apart, right? Yes. Am I crazy? Or no, we- you are not crazy. Okay. So well, literally, to, to be, to, being holy is to be set apart. And so yes. literally, what you're saying is true. The Eucharist is what also makes us holy. It's yes. what set us, sets us apart. It gives us the graces that we need to be saints, to get to heaven, right? Like, it's not. I think for us Catholics, for years, I used to aim at trying to get to purgatory. No, we need to aim at sainthood. And God will give us the grace for that. But it's the Eucharist. That is what I always say is like um, your spiritual. St. Pope John Paul II said it was the secret to his day. So it's that spiritual. It's the spiritual grace. It's the spiritual exercise that we need. Mm. Right? Like Mm -hmm. our body needs the physical. We have the physical. We need the spiritual. And the Eucharist is that this all the sacraments, of course, confession as much as we possibly can. Fry Jose, um, who you'll hear from later, or another day, sorry, um, talks about how we should be going to confession like every every week, every seven to eight days. And I think he quoted Padre Pio. And it's only, it's not to be scrupulous. It's not to be overly cautious. It's just because we love God and we want to try to get to heaven, right? And bring as many people as possible with us. And so um, the Holy Eucharist is that grace and that very intimate, intimate gift that God gives us. That's so beautiful. And, and so I, I think, you know, there's a sadness uh, to all of this as well, because there's a, there's the realization, uh, I know you're familiar with the uh, recent uh, Pew Research poll, mm-hmm. that it's, 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 a, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a, a boating of, <laughs> of, of bad news, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, and it's, it's sad to hear that, because, you know, when I was younger, um, there was also other polls, uh, yeah. and and really, that number hasn't changed. It, it, it's still bad right. in terms of like how many people believe that Jesus is uh, truly present. You know, really mm-hmm. present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in Eucharist, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, essentially the hallmark, right? A teaching of the Church right. uh, and the and the revelation of God, right? Um, and you know, and, and it's it's sad that people don't believe absolutely and i have to say that i was probably one of those people i'm a revert i left the church for years i was poorly catechized um i came back i say it was through eucharistic adoration like i knew that was jesus there was something going on there but i didn't quite know like i knew my heart didn't really there wasn't a connection and the saints and so um are the ones that brought me back and so it was actually um when i met fry jose i had had a soft eucharistic awakening so I had started to notice Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, I started to realize the seriousness of receiving him in a state of mortal sin. Mm. I started to realize, wait a second, there's something else happening here. I desire him. I'm starting to desire him, holiness over a, a sinful life. And it was actually through a healing mass. I believe that Catholics, 
um, this isn't going to, might not be popular, but I do believe that Catholics need to have a rebirth of sorts. Um, I think we have a lot to learn from our Protestant brothers and sisters in the sense of being reborn and having that conversion that St. Paul had of heart. Right. And I think that Protestants have a lot to learn from us and that they can take a relationship with Jesus a step further through the Holy Eucharist. So I think theologically, we Catholics, uh, you know, if we are really in touch with what the theology of the church, we'd say, well, we are, we're, are, we are born anew, right? We are born again at baptism. But I agree 100% with you uh, because Jesus also demonstrated this when, um, when essentially is, when he's asking his apostles, like, but, but who do you say that yes, I am? Yes. Right? Who do you say that I am? Because yes. what he's asking for at that moment is you need to make a decision. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and you need to decide, are you in or are you out? Are you serving? Yeah, decide <laughs> to stay. Yes, absolutely, Deacon. And to that point, I think every single Catholic, especially every single person listening to this, whenever, has the ability and has the grace to stop what you're doing, go to daily Mass, or listen to us, but then go to daily Mass, whatever, however the Lord orchestrates, and ask our Lord who He is in the Holy Eucharist. We have to ask Him. We have to commune with him. And he will make himself known. Scripture, those who seek me will find me. Yes. So, the answer to the Pew study, specifically, I believe... Which, is, by the way, is a 30, only 30% of Catholics. 30% of Catholics, right, yeah. right. A Which Euc- is a terrible, abysmal horrible, number. <laughs> horrible, and I was among those 30%. But I saw him and I asked him, God's not... He's not. He doesn't play a game of um, cat and mouse. God's not like that. He's so intimate and so loving, so gentle that he'll make himself known. But we have to have a Eucharistic awakening at the top. It has to stem from our priests and our bishops and our deacons. Mm. Because what's going to happen is you'll have a lady on fire, and then what happens, just like scripture, they're sheep without a shepherd. Yeah. And that is a true crisis. We don't have a vocation crisis as much in our church. We have a holiness crisis. The answer to the vocation shortage isn't married priest isn't female deacons female priests it's holy priest it's celibate priest yes we have over 50 percent of our priests who don't 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 take their vow of celibacy seriously that's the crisis it's a holiness crisis and don't you think that like um in in that setting you start to realize that there's something very um uh scary going on there because you know i I would think the enemy yes that satan is attacking yes he is attacking our priests and why because he's attacking our priests because the eucharist like the eucharist (laughs) so it's like if we can get rid of the priest we get rid of mass if we get rid of mass we get rid of eucharist if we get rid of eucharist we get rid of life right i mean because jesus himself said unless you eat of the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you have no life within you and so those who don't receive right right him right are dead essentially it's just, it's pretty and, and so if we can get rid of those priests if we can make those priests struggle if we can create a, yes. a priest shortage yes right and now yes. it's, you've got less eucharist you've got less life yes absolutely deacon you're 100 percent correct and our lord i like me. hearing that sam she's pretty awesome isn't she <laughs> no you're so you're spot on and um our lord show me look at my priest a lot of them start out with such tender hearts so in love with me and we groom we expect them to be administrators or our lady we're, our lord has shown me how we as a lady are partly to blame because what we do is we look to our priests to be jesus when they are in persona christi during the sacraments but it's jesus of nazareth that they're ultimately supposed to be pointing us to mm, right yeah and so 
our priests become this God figure that our Lord never intended. And quite frankly, I believe our Lord showed me that many of them don't even want. They want a lady that's so directed toward Jesus that, that they can guide and grow spiritually with. Yeah. And so I've had this like like a back and forth in my own heart, right? And discerning this very specific, very important thought. And that is, what is the crisis in our church? And I believe that, yes, we need a Eucharistic awakening from at the top of our priests and our bishops because our priests aren't shepherded by their shepherds, their bishops, right? right? So it's kind of sick. So we need that, but we also need a lady that understands our, our very holy priests, their proper role, the sacredness of deacons and priests and their roles, right? And to support them so that all of us are po- pointing ultimately east towards Jesus, right? Amen, so. amen, amen. You know, and it's interesting, I, I you, when you're saying this, I, it reminds me of a uh, one time I got invited by the Sarah Club to come and give a talk. You know, yeah. we all know the Sarah Club is is, yeah. uh, is a foundation there for the for praying for vocations. Really, is their is their yeah. great focus, uh, and it's a beautiful ministry. Don't give me or apostolate. Sure. Uh, and so I got there, and so they were like, "What are you going to talk about?" Well, we're talking about vocations. That's what we talk about here, right? So it's like, and so there. In, in the, the, the particular chapter I was speaking to was was they were pretty. I will just say they're on in years. Uh, and, and like I, Sam, <laughs> just like Sam. Thanks, yes. And, uh, and so they're sitting there, and they're sort of like eating their uh, uh, like spaghetti and whatever, whatever little lunch they were having. And I started to talk, and I said, "You know what? You guys need to stop praying for vocations. I mean, essentially, mm. you need to stop." And yeah. no one reacted. They all just kept eating and you know and nodding because I don't I think they heard me. And then, then I said it like after like the third time, I said, "You know what? You need to give up on this whole thing of praying for vocations. You need to stop what you're doing." And when and, and finally, someone looked up like, "Wait a second! This is not the talk we're supposed to get, is it? it was what, what's going on?" And basically, I told them, "You know, really, essentially, you need to start to pray." And I didn't say it like what you're saying right now. I didn't talk about the Eucharist specifically. I said, "You need to pray for an increase in faith, like faith in families, faith in our experience as Catholics, and that increase in faith is gonna is gonna lead us." Closer to the church, closer to the sacraments, yeah. which essentially is going to essentially re- rebuild the church yeah. for sacramentally, and, yeah. and and that's going to create vocations. Well, yes. and, and not just the priestly vocations. There's mul- many kinds of vocations, including marriage vocations. I think it's fair to say that the Eucharist is central to people flourishing in their marital vocations as well. The I, Eucharist is central to every yeah. single thing on this planet. Every single the, thing. The dramatic pause after that. No, was I'm beautiful. serious. That was because intentional. It's true. <laughs> it was totally beautiful. pure, and it wasn't like scripted. It wasn't something that I'm gonna pre a premeditated thought when you say that pause. I haven't even thought. <laughs> I truly haven't even thought about what we were like. Annie, we're about. it's on your notes right in front of you. you <laughs> no, know, it says, like, it says he pause. Made, he made. Yes, Sam made me put notes together. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what. To well, do. I need those were for me, so I knew what the heck yeah, you were talking about. Put those notes together. Yeah. So. <laughs> It's like, what kind of nut job do we have coming in, Sam? What are you doing? Are you gonna- he did pull me off the street with a lantern, I actually. Did. No, I you did. forced me. <laughs> well, you are just crazy enough to be a saint. That's what I love well, about right. you, Annie. No, you're, well, there's something beautiful about what you're saying and, and your attraction to Eucharistic, your attraction to something so fundamental. Because we, let me ask you a question then. Let me just, why do you think it's the Eucharist? Why specifically the Eucharist, do okay. you think? You ready? This yeah. is going to be such a simple answer, okay. but I'm very simple. Because that's Jesus of Nazareth, and he said so. It, that is quite simple and quite beautiful. <laughs> so let's get more theologically deep. And theologically, <laughs> sure. The catechism. Um, <laughs> let's see. We have 2,000 years of tradition. We have the words of the saints. Our Lord told me one time, sainthood is so important because it's the saints to whom I reveal myself. 
Amen. Right? So he's given us he's given us all the answers through the Holy Eucharist. He's given it through two thousand years of tradition, through the church fathers, through the catechism, through the mass, right? That, which is the Eucharist. Um, then the saints as well. And I think if I can make a quick plug for my saintly friends, there are underutilized, undervalued friends. There are companions that our Lord has literally assigned to us to get us to heaven, but we don't even think about them. They're an afterthought. Yeah. Not in like an idolizing way, but in a way of, I always explain this to Protestants when they say, I don't know about all those saints, you know, but what our Lord has shown me is that the saints are simply just our friends, right? That's all we have to view them as, our friends that have our backs, right? Because a good friend, what does a good friend do? Bring you to Jesus. Oh, yeah. Leads Friendship right in Christ leads you right to Jesus. That's who the saints are. They're like, here... But they fought the good fight, as St. Paul would say. So they've mastered perfection. So why not ask for their so prayers? So I, I have another image that comes to mind when you when you talk about the saints, because I love that. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting that like even when people will utilize the saints, which is, is beautiful when that happens, they usually have their, 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 their go-to saints. Yeah. They'll pick, uh, you know, of course, St. Michael the Archangel yeah, or, yeah. or, or uh, St. Mary. I mean, and, and these are biggies, and they're yes. great. But I look at it like more like, you know, you, you've seen those telethons on TV, and they all they have all these uh, yeah. Celebrities in front yeah. of telephones, yeah. and like you know, Saint Mary and and Saint Peter, uh, Saint Joseph, their phones are ringing off the hook. But there's like Saint Terebius or yes. somebody sitting over there, just kind and they're of not as busy. They're not as busy. <laughs> call, call them. Busy ones. Like, yes. Saint Dominator is my favorite saint name. <laughs> but but uh, that's a true one, by the way. And, and something that comes to mind here as you're saying this, the link between the Eucharist and the saints. You know, the, the question of who is Jesus will not be fully answered and f- or fully revealed until the last member of his body crosses into the fullness of, of, of Christ's glory. You know, Annie, you're a face of Jesus. Deacon Jeff, you're a face of Jesus. Everyone here, everyone listening, they're, they're, we're all called to be faces of Christ. And, you know, when I talk to a, a Protestant friend who, who has trouble with the saints, I say, you know, we don't have like a statue of a bishop and, and say, oh, we have the statue of this bishop here because he had a great sense of humor and we just want to honor his sense of humor. Yeah. You know, what we, we say is, no, he brought to life a piece of Jesus. Yeah. He was a piece of Jesus and Jesus incarnated himself in that person and revealed a piece of himself to us through that person. And the thing that makes that possible for that saint and for each of us more than anything else is the Eucharist. Now, the only exception to that is Pope Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> He, he actually was just funny. He's a funny guy. He was named that for, for real. But anyway, all that aside. Now, I, I will say this. There, there's something beautiful about this also. I think there's just something that uh, where Eucharist is so um, uh, important to our faith. And a lot of people don't. I mean, I, I know a lot of people know that, that the Catholics, you know, the, the Eucharist is a Catholic thing. Right? Universal. But it's a Catholic thing. That's what sets us apart. Yes. That's who sets us apart. That, yeah. That's exactly right. But one, one of the things beautiful about Eucharist is to understand that the that, that we ours is an incarnational faith right mm-hmm. that that God took mm-hmm. on flesh mm-hmm. um, but the incarnation didn't end when Jesus ascended into heaven right right and and that's the thing to realize is that essentially the the incarnation our incarnational faith is still strong as strong as ever because of Eucharist Absolutely. right and then and what does Eucharist do because we are uh, body and soul we're spirit and mm-hmm. flesh mm-hmm. and so Eucharist I mean you've heard the old expression you are what you eat mm-hmm. right so that's exactly so it's yes. just beautiful that that all these things tie together and so yeah. why do we want to continue to go it alone 
when we can have essentially yeah. the living God within yeah. us, yeah. right, affecting us in a very profound way spiritually as well as physically, Absolutely. right, tying all that together. So Eucharist, it's vitally important to all of this. He is. He's very vitally important. Yes. yes. Yeah. But we need to understand that. And we need we need a faith that isn't just an intellectual faith, mm. but a heart faith. See, it takes a while sometimes for one to catch up with the other. Mm. And quite oftentimes one has to remind the other. So... That's the beauty of the saints. They can help us when we ask our Lord. By the way, when you talk about obscure saints, just if I can make a plug, whoever's listening to this, the two people, or 300,000 or whatever it was. three million, I think. Three million. Okay, the three million people listening. After this, after you're done listening to this, ask our Lord for two things. To direct the saint that he wants to direct you to. To give you a stronger Eucharistic awakening and Eucharistic understanding. And they'll be your saint friend. And keep in mind... That friends come in and out of your life. Some are there for a season. Some are there for your whole life. But be mindful of that with the saints. Because they're there. But then you'll have different friends at different times. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's a great idea. And it's something we can do. Because that's going to lead me to my next question for you. Uh, Your your opinion about this is... I mean, you say that we've... Uh, this, this will affect so many things. That the, uh, a Eucharistic awakening will affect so many things in the church and in the world. Um, and a lot of people say, "Well, you're saying this is a it's like a clergy problem, or, or it's starting. It's up. It's up here." Mm-hmm. So the question is: the vast majority of people listening are not clergy. They're all sitting sure. there going, "Like, yeah, well, okay." So the, the the deacons and the priests and the bishops need to all work it out. What do I do in the men, meantime? What what can I do? I'm just me. Sure. And you mentioned laity several times, you yeah. know. But what do the laity do? What do what is the average Joe in the pew supposed to do to 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 work on this? I mean, how That's a great what do they question. do? Yeah. So it's not even just a clergy problem. It's just a holiness crisis that yeah. we have in the church. It's not a clergy crisis or this crisis. It's a holiness crisis. So I would say, first and foremost, the lady, if equipped. By the graces of the Holy Spirit through the Holy Eucharist, and I'm, I'm saying not saying that lately. I'm not saying. I think sometimes we think we need to do, do, do. So ask our Lord, number one, what you should be able to do. There might be a situation at your parish where you need to speak up. There might be a situation at your parish where you need to int- ask your priest for Eucharistic adoration. There might be a situation at your priest, your parish, where you need to confront your priest or de- deacon and just say to them, "Hey, how how's your prayer life going?" Mm. Right. There needs to be that dual accountability. Catholics need to get out of the we need we need to get out of the mindset that our priests are um, unapproachable. We need to view them as our our and our religious as our brothers and sisters in Christ and realize the sacredness of their vocation, especially during well in persona Christi during the sacraments, but in general. Um, so I think prayer. I think very strongly fasting. Go first to our Lord and ask Him what you can do because there isn't a one size fits all answer. But a more practical answer would be, of course, right away to start praying, to start fasting, um, and ask our Lord for your saint friend that will help you in discovering this new Eucharistic awakening. And I would also add, I think um, that those are and those are things that I would have said immediately that people can do. But also, you can also direct that prayer specifically for the priests. Absolutely, and, and, and you can Absolutely. also you can also um, I mean I and I cannot. Um, um, overstate the importance of the corporal and spiritual sacrifices yes. that you can offer on behalf of the yes. clergy. Yes, absolutely. Right? So it's not always about confronting 
it's both the issue. It's, but it's, it's both. It is, but but it, you need to also pray for them because absolutely. Oh no, no I didn't. I didn't mean that. I, just, I, know, I just I'm, I'm not even. I'm just. I want to make sure yeah. people understand that there's there's yeah. there's a lot of different uh, tactics that we can use that the our, Lord's given us. Our Lord has shown me though that I sometimes will use. I will use prayer as an excuse to not act, and vice versa. Or oh, I'll use. Okay. I'll immediately go to acting. He showed me that, but not. He showed me though too. Not everyone is called to action. We're always called to prayer. All of us are called to prayer. If anyone says they're called to action over prayer, then you've got to question that. We're all called to prayer. Some are called to action. So just ask our Lord if you are in what capacity. And it might be, you're 100% right, sit there quietly and to pray. And it might be to pray and then to act as well. So, A couple of quick things come to mind. One is some folks might not realize that you can adore our Lord, our Lord in the tabernacle. He didn't yes. have to be exposed in the Amen. monstrance. And so if someone says, <laughs> yes. there's not an, uh, a Eucharistic adoration chapel near us, just make friends with your parish secretary and say, <laughs> pretty please, I'd like to sit in the sanctuary and adore Jesus in the tabernacle. And chances are they won't have a problem with that. You might have to deal with a vacuum cleaner or something like that. But They might roll <laughs> their eyes and say, oh, you're one of those. <laughs> That's true. But if I'm, I'm gathering, though, that... You're not advocating for like a parish program to fix everything. No, not at all. In fact, I think that. Uh, well, be nice. I've just <laughs> be nice, Annie. <laughs> the last thing that we need is another parish program. I 100 percent agree. Ah, yeah. yeah, air five. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I am uh, COVID five. <laughs> Ziggy here knows me enough to know that I'm anti-program. So when people say, like, this is going to save the church. This is going to save this. this It's like, you know, the only program that we need is the Catholic Cafe. (laughs) No, I mean, it's like, it's... Jesus didn't like distribute DVD series, right? Yes, right. So he 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 built relationships, mm. right? He he mm. he interacted mm. with people. He went to the weddings. He went to the the. He went the, out. To right. where they were. We have to go beyond our parish boundaries. That's yeah. the season I'm in right now. Like, why, Lord? I love my parishioners. Right? I love my my brothers and sisters. But we need to go beyond our parish boundaries because our Lord's work knows no parish boundaries. Our Lord's work knows no cultural boundaries denominational boundaries we have to go out what were the last words that deacon jesus said before you go make disciples (laughs) baptizing them yes yeah the great commission we're all part of that great commission that's something that we all need to take seriously so um wow annie uh well you know i I just think that it's been awesome that you've been here annie annie salato for those who are uh wondering who she is again because i didn't mention her name again (laughs) the alice paul group and the alice Alice paul Paul group yeah Thank you so much for being thank here. You thank you for much. our little awakening about the Eucharistic awakening yeah. that really needs that needs to come, and it's something that everybody can participate Absolutely. in. Absolutely, right? He's How beautiful for that us. is! Oh, amen, amen. So that's something we all need to participate in. And you know what? Who better than the Blessed Mother, the Mother mm-hmm. of the Eucharist, uh, can lead us along yes. on this journey? And so let's let's ask for her intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.